back, folks, to your chosen podcast, The Africanist. I am your host, Bomba. It's been a while. I took a break, but now I am back on track with more episodes of The Africanist. As you may know, on September 5th, 2021, Guinea-Conakry experienced a military coup led by Colonel Mamadi Dumbuya. And since then, the country has been thrown into another political uncertainty. And to this day, we do not know the outcome of what will be the outcome of this military coup. Now, to to talk about all of that, I have another special guest. His name is Professor Mohamed Saliou Kamara. Mohamed Saliou Kamara is a professor of history, philosophy, and mass communication and the chair of the Department of African Studies at Howard University. He received his PhD from Northwestern University, but he also earned a Diplôme d'études supérieures from Kamal Abdel Nasser University of Conakry. Professor Kamara also earned an advanced professional degree in journalism from Centre d'études des sciences et techniques de l'information, CESTI, at Shah Antajub University in Senegal. He worked at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Florida between 2003 and 2016, where he served as director of the McNair Scholars Program. Professor Kamara is also the author of seven books and numerous book chapters and peer-reviewed articles with a focus on political history, political communication, media and society, religion, philosophy, and the military. His latest book is entitled Health and Human Security in the Mano River Union, Liberia, Sierra Leone, Guinea, and Cote d'Ivoire, published in 2020. Professor Kamara, thank you very much for joining the Africanist. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Ms. Jai, for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. All right, so on September 5th, uh, 2021, around 8 a.m., news outlet in Guinea reported a coup attempt led by an elite unit of the Guinean Special Forces. Gunfire rang out near the Secretariat presidential, pa- presidential Palace, and a few hours later, the unit stormed the palace and captured President Alpha Conde. Can you tell us more about what happened on that day? And what do we know about the special forces who ousted the president? Thank you. Uh, what we know, uh, in addition to the things that have already been reported um, from Guinea and uh, elsewhere, is that uh, Colonel Dumbuya may have astutely exploited the, the geographical and institutional segregation in which the department of the uh, defense department of the Conde government and the presidency of Conde himself had placed them. We know that uh, Colonel Dumbuya, as the head of uh, the special forces, had made some requests uh, to further professionalize the special forces, and that had been. Uh, rejected by the Minister of Defense, and uh, to a certain point that they had already determined that Colonel Dumbuya and the the Special Forces were becoming a a threat, not only 
to the harmony of the national uh, defense forces, whether that is true or not, it, it's open to debate, uh, but also a threat potentially to the state itself. And uh, they pushed Dumbuya and his forces, not only institutionally and geographically away from what uh, they would call the mainstream defense forces and isolated them, pushed them far from Conakry into Kindia. And I do believe that Colonel Dumbuya and his forces exploited that isolation in a way that they could prepare outside of Conakry, uh, far away from uh, the view of, uh, of uh, uh, presidential security forces and so on. So by practically uh, going all the way from Kindia to Conakry and passing one of the main military uh, uh, garrisons in uh, in. Uh, in Conakry, Kang Al-Fayaya, which is uh, uh, far away from downtown Conakry, passing that and coming into the uh, uh, Kaloum Peninsula, where the presidency is, because Kaloum, uh, downtown Conakry, is a peninsula. Once you get in there, there is only one major military uh, uh, barrack there, Kansamuri, which is far away from the presidency itself. So these people were able to, to drive into there and only encounter some sort of uh, uh, opposition or reaction as they were nearing uh, Kalum itself, and then they stormed the, uh, the presidency, and uh, being some of the best trained, equipped, and disciplined uh, 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 soldiers in, in the Guinean military, I don't believe it was that hard for them to overwhelm the presidential guard and uh, seize President Conde. So at first, uh, when the coup happened. At first, we thought that it was, or it seemed bloodless. Uh, and then later on, it was reported that there were some lives lost, especially on the camp of the president, like the presidential guard. Some of them were killed. Is that confirmed? And do we have an idea of how many lives were lost in the process? Personally, I cannot give you uh, solid numbers because th these uh, numbers are still uh, floating, depending on, on what uh, side of the fence one is. Uh, we've been told, uh, you know, less than a dozen. Uh, I, I cannot give you a, a number. What he seems to be confirmed is yes, uh, in the gunfight between uh, the special forces and the presidential guard, uh, some people did lose their lives. Some are talking even of civilians, some are talking of this, but neither, none of those uh, accounts, to my knowledge, have been solidly confirmed at this point. Given the circumstances, uh, President Alpha Conde remained in power. Because a few years ago, we know that he amended the constitution to make it possible for him to run for a third term. So given those circumstances, was this military coup foreseeable? Foreseeable, uh, that's not the term I would use uh, for several reasons. One, 
we may uh, vividly recall that uh, in 2008, after the passing of uh, President uh, uh, Lansana Conte, 2008-2009, when uh, uh, the junta of Captain Dadis Kamara came to power, uh, the situation was less welcoming than when Lansana Conte's junta came to power in 1984 after the passing of uh, President Sekutore. And uh, uh, throughout the year-long rule of uh, the CNDD under uh, Captain Kamara, the situation in Guinea was very, uh, uh, you know, troubled, culminating into what has been called as the massacre of the national stadium, uh, uh, soccer stadium, where uh, dozens, if not hundreds of people were uh, killed or maimed while peacefully protesting uh, the possibility for Musa Dadis Kamara to run for president once the transition was complete. And uh, we know after that, uh, international organizations from uh, the Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, to the African Union, to the United Nations, and uh, uh, regional organizations like the European Union and countries like uh, France and the United States imposed uh, sanctions on the junta and uh, some other members of uh, that government. So uh, the way that was that unfolded and led to a internationally negotiated transition to the elections that brought Alpha Conde to uh, the presidency in 2010, Guineans still remember that, uh, that period. So based on that, I wouldn't say that this was foreseeable. Maybe some kind of uh, solution that wouldn't involve necessarily military takeover or some kind of violence. Guineans were still uh, really exploring all kinds of uh, uh, solutions, uh, including within the political parties and so on. So I wouldn't say it was foreseeable. However, when it happened, it did not seem like it, it's coming from nowhere. So it was in that murky uh, cloud that I can place Guinea's response to the coup rather than an anticipation of the coup per se. This is not the first time we see something like this happen in, in Guinea, just like in many other African countries. Since its achievement of independence in 1958, Guinea has seen several military coups and coup attempts. Can you provide us with a brief history of the different military coups and attempts that have taken place in Guinea since 1958? Mm -hmm. 
Um, I beg to differ uh, when you say this is no, not the first time this uh, has been happening, because this is the first time in the history of Guinea, independent Guinea, that a military force came and seized the president, the sitting president, and dethroned him, if we, if we, if we can use that terminology. Because when in 1984, the uh, junta of, uh, uh, led by then Colonel Lansana Conte took over, uh, they overthrew a temporary, very shaky uh, administration that was undermined by political, ethno-political infighting. Secretary, remember, had passed away a, a few months earlier, and, uh, and Guinea had been ruled by a party state. The state itself, as a system of institutions designed to govern the country, were themselves ingrained into the uh, powerful authority and rule of the single party. So the single party regime was what was ruling the country and the military itself had been highly politicized uh, during those years. So when Secretary passed, his prime minister, who by then was not officially the head of the government in French, uh, uh, Premier Minister, Chef de Gouvernement, he was not under Secretary. Uh, when Lansana Biavogui became uh, the, uh, the acting uh, constitutional head of state, according to the constitution, um, underneath him, there were a lot of, uh, uh, there was a lot of struggle between or among the different political and ethnic factions that had evolved around Secretary, uh, particularly in the last years of his administration. Uh, it was uh, really the lid was put on it, but those who knew how the system functioned knew that there was something going on. And that started really to, to, to come to the surface after Secretary passed away. And we know now that there were some people within the political and biological family of Secretary, like Ismail Touré, his half-brother, and others, who were saying uh, absolutely uh, uh, Lansana Biavogui should not be considered as the head of state, first because he wasn't Malenke, the ethnic group of, Lansa, uh, of uh, Sekuture, and second, he was, he, they dismissed him uh, basically. And having interviewed later on one individual who, who was in the, uh, the eye of the storm, Senaino uh, Beyanzen, he said at that time, really, uh, it was a mess in uh, within the system and to the point that some of them who were considered uh, you know on the peripheries of the mainstream secretary rule they were uh, maybe not expecting maybe not anticipating but they would not be surprised if there was a military intervention so the military coup of 1984 didn't overthrow a sitting president like uh, the one in uh, uh, 
you know, the Dumbuyaku did to, to, to Alpha Conde. However, at that time, Guinea had been really politically exhausted in 1984. Even though the, 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 the Touré government was, uh, had undertaken some uh, meaningful openings, not only towards the West, not only towards uh, uh, the Middle East, not only uh, 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 further strengthening the pan-Africanist uh, uh, diplomacy and philosophy of, of Guinea, going back to the creation of the OAU and so on, all that was going on, but in a sense, it came a little bit, uh, for some, it was too little, too late. And then when Secretary died of natural causes, it opened the Pandora's box and uh, the, 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 the rest could not be prevented. Now, uh, the coup that uh, Musa Dadis Kamara and others did uh, uh, after the passing of General uh, Lansana Conte was uh, of a different, uh, it was a, a little bit a different animal because it came from within the military itself. Uh, Musa Dadis Kamara by no means was, uh, you know, one of these iconic uh, soldiers or, or officers, uh, but, we saw it came from a mid-level military, a mid-level of a military hierarchy to challenge the top uh, uh, notch of the military. And because in part of the youth of Musa Dadis and uh, many people around him, and because they were in a certain way outsiders from the, the, uh, the, the, the military, uh, uh, establishment, I believe they were able to not only rally within the, the military forces, the defense and security forces, but also within the civilian forces, uh, like uh, the civilian population, the young civilian population, uh, a lot of young men and women who had graduated from college are unemployed or underemployed. It came at a point where really everybody was looking for a better day. And Musa Dadis came with uh, something uh, really um, enticing. And uh, people did believe until the time he was outed that he came with all the goodwill to, to change the country. Um, but I think there was some kind of lack of political maturity and uh, uh, diplomatic savviness that also uh, undermined him, undermined his authority. There was some kind of naive, bombastic uh, uh, self-projection self there that antagonized a lot of forces, both internally and externally. Uh, so I would say this particular coup we're talking about the, the, the coups that succeeded. Uh, this particular coup is a little bit, well, in many ways, unique in, in that context. Now, going into failed coups, we would be going into a, a, a if you will, a tunnel, if not a black hole, because uh, how many failed real failed coups happened during the Secuture era, for example. The permanent plot or complot permanent and all these uh, 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 episodes, some of which were 
real and others have, have yet to be uh, um, uh, demonstrated. Um, I, I would say one tentative uh, coup, uh, failed coup that uh, we can talk of is uh, what was called the Jara coup when Jarrah Traore, Colonel Jarrah Traore, former prime minister in the Lansana Conte government, uh, was said to have led a, a coup against uh, Conte while he was abroad, and that coup was foiled, and we know what happened afterward. Jarrah and uh, uh, a lot of members of the Malenke military, civilian, and business elite were executed, including former uh, dignitaries in Secretary's regime that were in detention at that time. So uh, I would say that it has been a tradition, but a tradition that presented itself in so different ways that I wouldn't consider it uh, some sort of, um, um, it's not a trend per se. I wouldn't compare it, for example, to the trend of military coups and country coups that went on in countries like uh, Nigeria in the, the, the 70s, for example, or in Ghana, and what we are experiencing now in Mali, unfortunately. I'm not at all disparaging those countries, no. I'm just making a comparison here. Like you, you, you mentioned those, those countries, Mali, um, Nigeria, and so, we see that over the decades, uh, there are so many undemocratic transition and, and democratic access to the political power. And why, why is that? Why is that so recurrent in, in, in certain places, including Guinea, of course? Uh, focusing on Guinea, I, I would say, listen, we talk about democracy, and I think we have to nuance things. Having what I would call electoralism, having people every four years or five years or seven years, depending on the cases, coming to the ballot and voting sometimes in the middle of uh, ethnic violence and all kinds of uh, forms of intimidation that by, by nature are non-democratic, not only non-democratic, but also blatant violations of uh, the rights of the citizens. Elections that are held in such situations and uh, having sometimes the results, the legitimate results of the people's will being dismissed, manipulated and false results being published, making the loser a winner and the winner a loser, I don't call that democracy. And definitely I don't call it a democracy when there is so much foreign interference into the functioning of a nascent democracy or a burgeoning system of democratic governance in a country like Guinea in particular. Uh, after so many years of uh, uh, single party rule and military uh, uh, semi-civilian 
Americanized military rule, and we have a constitution, uh, and that constitution was uh, actually, I'm talking about the 2010 constitution that uh, 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 was passed as part of the uh, uh, the transition, a constitution that was, uh, uh, you know, patched up uh, uh, in a matter of uh, weeks or months uh, to deal with uh, decades of problems. Um, and then you have uh, the, the, the individual who came to power under that constitution later uh, saying that uh, uh, that constitution is no longer valid. We need a new constitution that will enable me to have a third term because I need more time to finish the good work I have been doing and I haven't been able to complete in 10 years. I don't call that democracy. And I don't call it democracy either when the, uh, the justification given is that because the new quote unquote constitution uh, 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 completely annuls the, 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 the original constitution, the third term is not a third term, it's a first term under a new constitution. So if that is the democracy we, we have to show, what would prevent military forces, which are part of the citizenry and part of the state at the same time, to say, listen, enough is enough. We are going this, we are, we are doing this, we are doing that. Don't get me wrong. I do not encourage or condone military intervention, coup d'etats, be they military or civilian. I do, uh, uh, I am a supporter of the rule of the people. Let's call it democracy, but Whose standard and definition of democracy are we using here? In a way, let's think about political, uh, 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 the, the, the political party-based system of democracy in Africa. Guinea, with about 13 million people, has more than 200 political parties. And I'm being here very, very conservative. What is all that? If political parties are only here to contribute to the division, ethnic, religious, regional division of the country, how can we have a working democracy? So I, I would like us to reflect on those, what I consider fundamental questions before we uh, uh, discuss just whether uh, uh, military coups are warranted or not, I don't support them, but sometimes they can come to end a certain, uh, uh, you know, a certain uh, spiral of undemocratic rule. As you rightfully pointed out, one of the tendencies we've seen, especially in Francophone West Africa these days, is those uh, unilateral uh, constitutional changes. So it 
it, it happened in Senegal, it happened in Ivory Coast, and also <clears throat> in Guinea. So what is a solution if military coups are not always, you know, a good response, like you said, but is there a solution to get rid of those kinds of practices that send entire countries into a spiral of violence and political instability? I think the solution should come from the people themselves. The people of Senegal, the people of Ivory Coast, or Cote d'Ivoire, the people of Guinea, for example, uh, I believe have the strength and uh, must have the will to say enough is enough. It's not going to happen. And by the way, Alpha Conde is not the first person to amend a, a, a constitution as a sitting president to give himself uh, a, a, an easy pass. Lance Conte did the same thing. Lance Conte amended the constitution that uh, was enacted while he was in power that uh, helped him to uh, change from the military ruler he was since 84 uh, to become a, a semi-civilianized, democratically elected president, as the, 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 the saying goes. However, uh, there was an age limit, and even a term limit, and the amendment that he, uh, uh, he and his political coalition enacted uh, enabled him to continue to rule. And that didn't lead, I would argue, uh, that didn't lead to another, uh, another military coup because Lansana Conte was able to maintain one foot in the military and one foot in the presidential office most of the time. He was challenged once, in 1996, uh, there was uh, a, uh, and that didn't even turn out to be a tentative, uh, a coup attempt. The people who orchestrated that bombed the, uh, the presidential palace and came and practically captured him, took him to Kang al Fayaya and had conversations with him and freed him. That demonstrated they didn't want power. They didn't want to overthrow him. They wanted some uh, solutions to some problems. There were, uh, some of them were going months and months without pay. And uh, soldiers who had fought in the wars uh, in neighboring Liberia and Sierra Leone, for example, had not been compensated. So it was essentially some technical, financial, and military questions that they need, they wanted to have uh, uh, answered. Um, but uh, I, I, I would say that we need to help the people in each country, first to empower themselves, that the power of the people does not begin and does not end at the ballot box, that democracy is not just this uh, uh, periodical uh, exercise. Democracy is a daily exercise. The power of the people 
to hold the leaders that they selected responsive and responsible. And once those leaders uh, falter, the power of those people must uh, uh, enjoy its sovereignty in the exercise of democracy, democratic governance. That's on one level, the, the, the national level. The international level, we also have to hold our international organizations responsive to us and responsible to Africa and the world. Imagine, for example, uh, the, uh, the economic community of West African states sent uh, a delegation to Guinea to ask the military junta in Guinea to freelance our country and to not go beyond six months before organizing elections and all kinds of demands. Well, Alassane Ouattara of Cote d'Ivoire, who have gone through the same thing, was one of those leaders who came to lecture Guinea on return to constitutional order. Mm -hmm. And if you, you say to Guinea to return to constitutional order, Guineans are going to ask you, Mr. Ecowas, what constitutional order do you want Guinea to return? The constitution of a falsified constitutional order of, Lansan, of, of uh, Alpha Conde, or the constitutional order that had already been killed, that doesn't exist anymore. So where were you, Mr. Uh, uh, Ecowas, when Alpha Conde uh, falsified, counterfeited the constitution of Guinea and gave himself, uh, 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 you know, an end ending rule? as president of Guinea. Nobody lifted a finger. And the people who were arrested and killed uh, while protesting uh, uh, peacefully against all that, where was ECOWAS? Nowhere. So, so I think our international organizations also have to, to, to abandon this mere technicality. We have to cross this uh, line here. Oh yeah, they have done this, they have done that. Even if the people under that whole uh, glass ceiling are dying, the infrastructure of Guinea is completely destroyed. The health system is practically non-existent. Education has been weakened. And uh, uh, I, I can go on and on, and yet this country is one of the three largest producers of bauxite. And by the way, that's what everybody uh, uh, in the international media was worrying about. Uh, the, the price of bauxite had skyrocketed uh, within the 24 hours of the coup. So that's what they are interested in. We can understand that, but that's a Guinean resource that should have been able to keep Guineans above the, the fray and to, to, to give them a, a decent living and working uh, uh, living and working conditions, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned something very important, uh, which is the echo was sending Alpha, not Alpha, um, Alassane Ouattara Alassane to Ouattara. Mm -hmm. uh, Guinea. But I also read that uh, Makisal 
was also supposed to be part of that delegation. And then President Conde did not want to see him. And we, we know the tension between the two of them that has been going on for years. But there is some some irony there because we all know what Alpha, uh, what Watara also did, how he remained in power. And uh, Marquis Sal also is not clarifying if he's going to run for a third term or not. I mean, constitutionally, he cannot run for a third term. That's, mm-hmm. The constitution is clear on that. But mm-hmm. when he was asked about that question, his response was, I'm not going to say yes, I'm not going to say no, <laughs> which, is, which is basically a joke. But it's, it's just very ironic that the ECOWAS sent those people to talk to Alpha Conde. Now, given Colonel Dumbia's previous experience with the French Foreign Legion, and uh, given also the training that he received from the U.S. Army, many people are wondering if uh, foreign forces might have been behind the coup in Guinea. I know a couple of weeks ago, or less than two weeks ago, there was a an article on the New York Times saying that part of the people who seized um, the power were trained or, or were being trained by the U.S. Army in, in Kenya. And then they left unknowingly to do what they did. And then the U.S. military responded that they were not aware of that, that they were nowhere near or they had no knowledge of, of the coup. So do we have anything to substantiate the claim that uh, foreign forces might be behind the coup? Uh, to my knowledge, no, we don't have anything really strongly substantiated. However, as we know, sometimes uh, uh, some of these indications, these dots, if we connect them, they may or may not lead us to something we can substantiate. Uh, Yes, one of the uh, issues, one of the uh, questions that Guineans are considering, particularly uh, Guinean intellectuals abroad, and specifically in this country, in this uh, uh, region, the United States and Canada, uh, are considering is saying, okay, if Dumbuya and not if Dumbuya was a legionnaire in 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 you know a French legionnaire, he was uh, trained by the French and so on. Even if the French have nothing to do with uh, with his coup, well, they still have him. He's an alumnus of the uh, of the legionnaire forces, and uh, Guinea knows that any time France had has had someone, an insider in the Guinean political and and, and governmental system, they used that someone as a bridge to kind of recolonize Guinea more than they would have if Guinea had said yes in 1958. We know this uh, back in 1984, when uh, the military took uh, uh, took power and uh, Gerard Traore, we were talking about him a minute ago, uh, he, when he was still the, uh, the, the prime minister of, uh, of uh, 
the, the military junta, the Lansana Conte military junta, he was sent abroad to represent the government, to represent the military junta, and uh, give some explanations and, uh, you know, just ease the tension over the military takeover. This is the same Jara Traore who went to France and said publicly that Guinea's vote on September 28, 1958 was a historical, a historic mistake and that that mistake has to be corrected. So when the number two official of the government says to the former colonial masters, to use that uh, very insulting terminology, insulting to Africans, when we refer to uh, our former colonizers, our former masters, uh, when that person goes there and tells them, I am here uh, basically to apologize for voting for my country, voting for independence from your colonial rule. We are going to correct that mistake. Even though uh, 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 Jara Traore didn't last in that govern government, there were some issues there. And we know what happened uh, uh, going forward under Conte. And then we have Alpha Conde later, uh, Alpha Conde, who grew up in France and everything, and uh, was, uh, you know, uh, everything French uh, in, in his views and everything. It's only during his second term that Alpha Conde began severing some of the ties with France. Uh, and, uh, and that is also being debated. And, and there are some, uh, um, you know, speculations. Maybe France got mad at him when he became too cozy with uh, um, became too cozy with uh, China, with Turkey, with Russia and others, and uh, practically uh, uh, put uh, France in the back burner. So there is something to consider there since we know Dumbuya was a French legionnaire. There is also something to consider there when we know some of these uh, uh, the, the, the very individuals who participated in this coup, as you mentioned, were being trained by Americans, not in Guinea, but far away in Kenya, and that they, uh, uh, they uh, took advantage of a day off to come and participate in this coup. So I think it, it, there is something there to consider and to, to, to dig into, to investigate, to observe, and so. Uh, however, at this point, I do not have anything uh, concrete, anything substantiated to say that either France or the United States or any other force was behind this coup. Uh, however, it's too early to draw any conclusions. Uh, do we know about President Conde's whereabouts? Where is he? How is he doing? Is he going to uh, resign? What are the latest news? Well, what the, uh, the uh, CN, CNRD, the military junta, what they are telling us is that he is uh, uh, well, He's well taken care of. He is not being brutalized. He's not, you know, he is safe and well. 
uh, and uh, his dignity is being respected and so on. But they're not telling us where he is. Um, as for resignation, that is not an issue for many Guineans at this point. To them, to us, many Guineans, Alpha Conde is no longer the president. Uh, if somebody else uh, elsewhere, ECOWAS and others are still speculating on that, I wonder how they would uh, reinstate him. Because as we speak right now, the junta has really shown a, a, some particular approaches to coup making and post-coup behavior that, um, you know, ring a bell of hope uh, to many Guineans, particularly the younger generation. And I, I, I want to point this out and, and emphasize it. You know, when you have a, an event like this in a country, be it a military coup, be it uh, uh, a democratic uh, uh, event or something, as long as it's something that involves the entire nation in one way or the other, we need to pay attention to how the younger generation views that event, what that, the ramifications of that event. One, because they may not have a, a, a memory of things that passed 10, 20, 30 years ago. Many of them weren't born then. And so this is one benchmark in their appreciation, in their evaluation of the national uh, 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 public life of their country. And uh, how do they perceive this? And what do they want to see happen as we move forward? That might not be the, 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 the ultimate measure, the, the, um, uh, the ultimate decision. However, that is very important also because they will be, the, they are the ones who will be here uh, dealing with this uh, and it's the consequences long after uh, older generations are no longer active or are no longer here. So, so far, uh, a good portion of uh, young Guineans are approaching this coup with some kind of uh, uh, guarded optimism and hope. They definitely, in many cases, do not have the cynicism that many others may have when they approach this. So, uh, General uh, 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 Colonel Dumbuya, I don't know if he has any demands, uh, except that the, uh, the, the the CNRD as a whole is uh, has told uh, the, the the ECOWAS delegates we mentioned earlier that came to Conakry. No, we are not going to bow to your pressure. We are not going to allow Lansa, Lan, uh, uh, Alpha Conde to leave the country because there is a possibility and a desired possibility that he will. Uh, uh, you know, he will face justice. Uh, and it is about time that Guinea ends the, uh, the spiral of impunity. It is a time that people who have been in power 
and have uh, done things that really are not legal, are not democratic, that they face uh, justice for that. And I don't see if they freed uh, Alpha Conde without justice, without anything, how would they justify the coup? And that's not a major point justifying the coup, but the coup has happened, and they're not going to reinstate Alpha Conde, and they don't put Alpha Conde uh, to, to, uh, uh, before the, the, the proper jurisdictions uh, to face justice. Uh, then it's a waste of time and, frankly, an insult to Guinea and Africa. Mm -hmm. So, concretely, what is Colonel Dumbia and his uh, unit or his uh, and the junta doing to reassure uh, Guinean people that uh, they're taking or they're heading towards the right uh, direction? What is what are they doing to concretely? Um, give the people of Guinea hope that there is um, like a new horizon and that politics from now on will be different from the way um, it had been done uh, thus far? Yes, uh, that's an excellent question. I can name a, uh, several things concretely that they have done. First, after they took over, uh, arrested the uh, president, former President Conde, they didn't go after members of his cabinet, ministers, and also directors of major state agencies. They didn't send, uh, you know, uh, uh, troops to go arrest them at home or anywhere else, as other uh, 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 others had done in previous schools. What they did was to publicly uh, demand that members of the Conde government, the Conde administration, meet with them at the People's Palace, which is uh, uh, the headquarters of the National Assembly, to meet with them there and engage the di dialogue. The only kind of veiled threat they made was that if someone who is in this category of former dignitaries, former officials, refuses to appear at that meeting, we would consider that as a sign of rebellion. And uh, uh, as far as I know, most of them, if not all, did come and they had a conversation with them uh, the junta did tell them, among other things, uh, do you uh, recognize now you are not minister of this, you are not director of that, that uh, your government is no longer in power, you are no longer part of uh, that administration because it doesn't exist anymore. And the conversation uh, was uh, civil and organized. And they demanded that they uh, uh, hand over their passports, uh, the uh, keys to their offices, uh, their uh, uh, government issued uh, uh, vehicles, uh, things like that. They didn't arrest them. That they, they after the meeting, people left and went home. That's something never happened in Guinea. 
uh, after a coup d'etat. Second, they, uh, they were uh, roadblocks that had been put everywhere around Guinea, particularly uh, uh, after uh, uh, Conde decided to amend the constitution. Uh, and they disbanded all, they eliminated all, uh, all those uh, roadblocks. They freed uh, what uh, is considered as uh, political prisoners, people who were arrested, including spiritual leaders who had been praying for the country after violence erupted uh, uh, following Conde's uh, uh, amendment of the constitution. All the protests, people were arrested, were, uh, were detained, and they freed those people. These are, I believe, among some of the concrete things they have done to show that this is not the same kind of military coups that we have experienced in this country before, and they are moving forward. One thing they have done though, is to replace uh, our regional and municipal uh, uh, civilian uh, uh, you know, administrators that were put there under the, uh, the Conde uh, administration. And even before that, they replaced them by military administrators and so on. Uh, I think these are some of the concrete, uh, and they are requesting uh, uh, Guineans to send them recommendations to, uh, uh, as to how to best approach the, uh, the road ahead, how to uh, uh, plan and implement the transition. So uh, a lot of Guineans, abroad and within the country uh, are sending uh, letters and uh, writing things and, uh, and so on. Uh, and this is something we, we, we have not experienced uh, under all the military juntas in the past. Mm -hmm. Professor, thank you very much for um, these uh, thoughtful answers. It was a pleasure um, to speak with you about the, the current situation in, in Guinea. So thank you very much for being on the Africanist. Uh, we hope that you will come again sometime soon as uh, the situation evolves to talk more about um, uh, Guinea and political transition in, in, in Africa. And then I uh, advise my listeners to go read the work of uh, Professor Kamara. It's impressive. And then it will give you a better understanding of the political history of Guinea and other places on the continent. Professor Kamara, thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Mr. Njai. And uh, I uh, should I say Dr. Njai, I'm sorry. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate your invitation and uh, I commend you on everything you do on the Africanist uh, uh, podcast. You. And, uh, uh, you know, do not hesitate to reach out to me anytime I can be of uh, some help. Thank you. Thank you very much. Con Africa, Africa, Africa,